welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. So we have been on a series called Get Your Priorities Straight. It's really quiet in here. It must be because you guys are really ready to pay attention, right? Not because anyone's tired or sleepy. Is, so we changed the background. Nancy changed today, and I'm wondering if this is putting people to sleep because that's I'd, all I want to do looking at that is nap. So we might have to, maybe we'll put some fireworks up there or maybe some scenes from like Braveheart or something to really like wake people up. Maybe that's on the other side of the ditch. Maybe that's a little too far. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into the word this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn to John 8. And we're going to start in verse 31. So in talking about getting our priorities straight, as I said in weeks before, I felt it was really important in seeking the Lord how to avoid, what's the word I'm looking for? Pitfalls. How to avoid falling. How to avoid messing up. How to avoid getting caught up in sin or getting caught up in the wrong thing or going down the wrong path. I was, I was genuinely seeking the Lord how to do this. It, there's, I mean, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here or whatever, but the enemy is constantly seeking how he can destroy us. He's constantly seeking how he can mess us up, get us hung up, stop us from doing what God wants us to do. And I just genuinely asked the Lord, how do I avoid these things? Because I know men and women who we would say were greater than we are who have fallen and messed up. And fallen, whether they're ministers or great people of, of acumen or business, and they just messed up what they were supposed to be doing. I'm not saying those who, know, who don't know better. I'm talking about believers, people who claim to be Christians. And this is what the Lord's response to me was, get your priorities straight. He said, I have to be first in every aspect of your life. You have to put me first, whether or not you necessarily agree or understand why. Now, obedience sometimes is simply that, obeying regardless of knowing why. But he's so good, he, is, he wants us to obey, but he also wants us to understand why. He wants us to serve him, but he also wants to understand why. Because when we serve the Lord, there's actually a promise tied to that service. And it's not always this huge sacrifice. At times it can be. There can be some things that you need to do that aren't as fun as you wish that they would be. But when it comes to serving the Lord, it's not like, it's not transactional like it is going to work. Right? You know how many dollars you make an hour. You put in an hour's worth of work or however you get paid, whether it's a job or a contract, blah, blah, blah. You, you kind of, that's, a, that's a contractual relationship. When it comes to the Lord, it's a covenant relationship. See, it's far different. Contractual means you do this for me, you get this. Covenant means what I have is yours and what you have is, what you have is mine. It's a far different thing. Marriage is a covenant. If I have something that my wife likes, do you think she asks me for it? No. Not, not unless I really like it. <laughs> but usually, she, 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 if she, she doesn't have to ask to drive my truck. She can just take it. I don't have to ask to drive her car. Now, logistically, we have conversations because who has the kids or whatever we're doing. But I'm saying, it's not like I'm like, hey, babe, could I, uh, if you let me drive your car, I'll let you drive my truck. It, it's a covenant relationship. What she has is mine, and what I have is hers. I, I don't withhold anything from her, and she doesn't withhold anything from me. It's a covenant relationship. 
contract a lot of times people look at our relationship with law with the lord as a contractual relationship because that's how we operate in commerce in the world everything's a contractual situation but covenant is far different See, you, and you need to you need to know your old, old testament to gain an understanding of what this means when when god entered into covenant with abraham he promised him a long and prosperous life but do you remember what god asked of abraham he asked Abraham for his firstborn son because what was God going to offer? His son. See, covenant is, is far more than contract. It is a promise of all that I have, all that I am is freely to your access. But covenant is a two-way street. What he asks us to do is what he's willing to do. Most people don't look at God this way. Most people look at God as someone who you have to serve and sometimes he's nice to you and sometimes he's mean to you. You're going to have to point out to me in scripture and why you think that that's true in order for me to believe that. God, God says you can have everything that I have if I can have everything that you have. And that's, it's, it's as simple as I can put it to you. When putting God first, it's literally that. That means if God wants me to do something opposite of what I want to do, if I want to have access to what he has, I have to be willing to give up the thing that I'm holding on to. Does that make sense? It's a covenant. It's not a contract. In John 8, uh, 31 through 32, you guys there? Uh, you beat me to it. I started talking. Imagine that. <clears throat> uh. Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who lived, uh, who lived near him, who, or sorry, who believed in him, excuse me, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, you should read this whole book. Um, you should read what's going on here, but I wanted to focus on this particular verse for a reason here. It says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. So he is, he is telling us, what it means to be his disciple, what it means to be in covenant with him. You must abide in his word. You know what the word abide means? I'm so glad you asked. The word abide means to stay or remain. It means uh, to continue, to endure, enduring, lasting, live, living, remain, remain, remaining, remain, stand, stay, stayed, staying, waiting. It's a constant of being in. That makes sense? Say constant, constant. of being in. One translation says um, uh, it, it depicts it as a way of, of actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's hold on to that. Hold on to that thought there a second for a second. If you abide in, if you remain in him and is his word, then you are his disciples. You will know the truth and the truth, yourself, the truth shall set you free. The word know is a depiction of, is a relational know. It's not just a having head knowledge. It's a having being knowledge. Does that make sense? That's not too weird. It's, it's a being in something so much as it becomes your identity, right? We, um, not casting dispersions here in any, any way, but during COVID, people became very isolated in their lines of belief, in political agreements, in vaxxing, anti-vaxxing, masking. I mean, it was very polarizing. People were literally inside of, metaphorically, their belief system. 
so much as if you spoke against what they believed, not everyone, just some people, it almost was like coming against their very identity. We see this with politics. We see that, and I'm not saying I'm not for one or against the other. That's not what this conversation is about. But it's showing how people can literally be consumed by a line of thinking or thought. This is what the Lord is depicting. He's saying if you're if you abide in, meaning remaining in His Word, if you meditate on it, if you're in it, then then you are showing that you are His disciple. You're one who's in covenant with Him. Right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? free from anything that's contradictory to his word. Does that make sense? Free from anything that's contradicting to his blessing. Go to Proverbs 3, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit of this. I hope that's okay. And if it's not, I ain't keeping you here. (laughs) I mean, I'd like you to stay. I'm just saying. I'm not forcing you. I lost them after my ketchup joke this morning, Becky. Yeah, that's what happened. I, I said that, 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 and everyone's like. Proverbs 3. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, uh, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For the length, for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Okay? Would you like to have a long life. And understand when the Bible says long life, it does not mean you exist for a long time. It's a long, healthy, prosperous, peaceful. I know some people are like, I don't want to have a long life because my life sucks. I'm not talking about that. That's not what this is depicting. It's not saying your current life extended. It's saying a good, wonderful, long life. Amen? Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so, find, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Let's unpack this a little bit. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay? That's the same verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from either evil. So being wise in your own eyes is equal to evil. Right? Now, what that means is, lean, what, what he's depicting here is leaning on your own understanding. And, and we can hope to be led by the Lord. We can hope in relationship and desire good and wonderful things and knowledge from him. That's a good thing. But how do you know what those are? What we're talking about this morning in putting the Lord first is we're saying, what the title of this, subtitle of this message is, Put His Word First. I'm a pretty simple-minded person. I've said this before. It's worth saying again. I try not to overcomplicate things. I try to make things as simple as possible because that's how my brain can consume it. Mm-hmm. So as a believer, I'll say it to you maybe in a sports term. 
if you were a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, which I am not, don't come at me. If you were a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, you would be, if you were a true fan, it wouldn't matter if they're winning or losing. You would be a fan regardless, right? You would have the merchandise. You would maybe go to the games, even if they're in, they haven't won for years, right? You would just be a fan, okay? So when it comes to a Christian, I am a Christian regardless of how it's going in my life. And, and how I know what's right is as found in this word. And so when I'm saying we put the word first, I have to look at what I believe and understand why I believe it and then hold that up in reflection to what the word says. If I find a belief in myself that is contradictory to what this word says, we're at an impasse. We get to decide, do I stay comfortable in my belief or do I take what this word says as truth? We, earlier on, we talked about when you honor the Lord, he will honor you. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do you know that God the Father will literally exalt you and honor you if you honor him? One of the ways in honoring God is by putting first the things he says put first. That's one of the ways. And he says to put his word first. I'll, I'll liken it to this. Let's say, <laughs> this is maybe way too simple. Let's just say I have this big red button. And, and I said, all you need to do is come up and push this button and everything in your life is fixed. Okay? And then you come up to me and say, Micah, how do I get everything in my life fixed? And I go, you push this button. And then you say, I really wish someone would tell me how to fix my life. I say, what well, you all have to do is push this button. Don't let this be too simple for you. Your answers are in the word. And the answer is by putting his word first and negating yourself and saying, what well, this is truth, what my experience isn't truth, this is truth. It's as simple as that. I know that that seems way too easy. I know that we want to make it way more complicated and say, well, my lived experience is this. When I've gone through this in life and I've had this hurt and I've had this pain, I listen, is that truth or is this truth? I'm asking you to tell me what you want me to believe. Your life experiences, your hardships, your pains, what your grandmammy and grandpappy told you, what they prayed, what, they, what some prophet or prophetess said to you, what something. Do you want me to believe what you're saying or do you want me to believe this? How about in the instance of me teaching you in this church? Do you want me to teach you out of my experience or do you want me to teach you out of this book? That's a legitimate question. How do you want me to, what do you want me to present to you? I hope you want me to bring truth from the word. So you have a decision in your life on how you're going to live, what you're going to do. Now, there's some not-so-fun scriptures in there when it comes to comfortability. Die to yourself. Woohoo! Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's one of my favorite verses and also one of the most challenging. You know how easy it would be for me to go... <sighs> I'll just tell you about my personal life. Uh, my wife and I believe for almost everything that we have as the Lord has directed us. So I, I work in full-time ministry and I have a part-time job. I'm believing to just ha be able to be in the place where I work in ministry. More than once in the last year, I, someone has called me and offered me a position that has a six-figure job between $124,000 and $145,000 a year. That sounds great. That actually would be easier for me than to, and I'm talking Car, cell phone, travel, flights, thing, you know, vacations, conferences, all that stuff. It would be easier to do that. 
And if I did that, I'd be able to pay off the remaining debt that my wife and I have in probably a year or two. That would be really easy. But is that what God's telling me to do? See, that's seeking my own understanding. That's, that's me relying on me. So when this, these, this happened twice this last year, when these offers come up, I go to the Lord and say, hey, is by any chance, <laughs> is, is this the thing? And he's like, no. I was like, hey, I'm just checking. I just want to make sure. Because if it was the thing, I'd be okay with that. It's far, it would be far easier for me. I'm talking that's tw- almost $2,400 a week after taxes. That's a decent amount of money. But that is some walking around money. That's what Ben said. But that's me leaning on my understanding. That's not putting him first, and that's not acknowledging him. That's where, that's where it gets a little bit more challenging. See, it's easy to proclaim you're a Christian when you're not held accountable to anything. We're having fun now, right? It's easy to say those things. Where was I reading, Lord? I'll find the scripture for you. It is in Proverbs, isn't it? I'm just having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Excuse me a second. Uh, it talks about not despising the correction of the Lord. Yeah, that's right. What did I say? Yeah. Yeah, there was another one. I, it is in three. Lord, where was it? It was later on Proverbs. I'll, I'll, I'll get it for you next week because I want to move on. But basically it said, if you're not getting corrected by the Lord, you're not his child. Mm-hmm. That basically, that's basically what the sum, summation of the verse was. And so he said, it, like, you're not a Christian if you're not getting corrected. And correction isn't harsh. And I realize that we might have a poor understanding of what correction looks like because we think of worldly correction. Like when I think of correction growing up, I think of sitting on my dad's bed when he got home. And I, usually, I never got spanked by dad unless it was really, really bad. That was a bad deal. And he would open up his closet door, and he had this thing that hung on the back of his door, and all of his leather belts were there. And he'd say, pick one. And that was a dilemma as a child, because you're like, do you pick the thick strap or you pick the thin strap? Because neither one were good. So we think of that sometimes when we think of the correction of the Lord. God doesn't whip us with belts when he corrects us. Most of the time, the correction comes through love. Excuse me. All of the time, that correction comes through love. And usually it's gentle and easy if the hard part of correction with the Lord is the, hum- is the humility piece, yeah, yeah. is humbling yourself. Yeah. Who in this room, raise your hand, likes to admit when they're wrong? <laughs> I'm so happy no one raised their hand because y'all will be lying in church. <laughs> See, that's, that's the hard part when it comes to correction with the Lord. So that's what happens when you read the word and you go, wow, I've believed this my whole entire life. Now I'm seeing a contradictory thing. I'm going to study this out. Don't just buy it hook, line, and sinker. Look for examples in the Word. Last week I showed you how there's multiple free apps where you can do in-depth studies on almost any subject you want. But find it and then get it right in your heart. And then you have a conversation with the Lord. Father, I see in your scripture multiple examples of this thing. I see that how I've lived my life is contrary to what I have seen in the Word. I repent for trying to live it my way. Now, ignorance is, you're not held responsible for ignorance, but once you receive the word, you're held responsible for it. Does that make sense? If you didn't know, that's fine. You know, I, I can't hold you accountable of that. But once you, once you understand 
what's going on, you make a decision to repent and to turn from what you were doing and to move towards what he says. It's really, really easy to say those things until it comes time to do it. Where were we? You were in verse 3, right? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Uh, that word fear doesn't mean be afraid. Okay? It means to have reverence and honor. We think of fear as in like horror, or like some people are afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders, but I do have a healthy respect for them. <laughs> or snakes, or lions. Some people have irrational fears, fear of the dark, fear of whatever. We're not going to get into that, right? We think of those kind of fears. When the Bible says fear, it doesn't mean be afraid of. It means have reverence for. <clears throat> the amount that the word can operate successfully in your life is directly related to the amount of reverence you have for it. I'll say that again. The amount that the word can operate in your life, that means all the promises in this book, can operate in your life, is directly related to how much reverence you have for those words. For, for instance... It's taking him at his word. If he said it, do you believe it? Now, there's a different, listen. I'm not saying if he said it, you believe he said it. Okay? Sure, I believe God said that. What I'm saying is, if he said it, you actually take it as fact and truth. There's, there's a difference between believing he said something and believing it's truth. Do you see the difference? Yes. There's a big difference between believing God said something. Yeah, it's in the book. I saw it in there. My grandma used to be in that verse. There's a big difference between knowing he said something and knowing that that thing that he said is truth. That's having fear and reverence for him. Yes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. We read earlier, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, in Matthew where it talks about not worrying about the birds of the air or the flowers of the field and how God will, t will add all of those things to you, right, if you put him first. This is, this is similar to that. This is surmised in health to your flesh and strength to your bones. When, when you see a, a, a positive word in the Bible like the word health or like the word strength, you have to remember that that's defined by him saying it, not by your definition of it. Does that make sense? Your definition of health could just mean I don't hurt today. His definition of health is you'll never hurt again. Your definition of strength is I was able to get up and, and work my shift. His definition of strength is you'll never lack again. You understand? Every promise that God has, hope, love, peace, strength, is, is, a, is a word of reproduction, meaning it will operate, it, it won't just operate once in your life, it will become a pillar in which your life is built on that you can operate through your entire existence here on the earth. Does that make sense? So you have to look at this, we have to take this for what it is. Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil, it will be health to your flesh. Would you like to have healthy flesh? Flesh is the physical body. That means nothing missing, nothing broken. 
That means when you get up out of your recliner, you don't go, ugh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that means when you, if you get down on the floor to do something, you don't have to brace yourself on someone else to get up. If that's where you are now, I'm not, I'm not despising that, but, but I'm saying this is what the promise of the word says. That doesn't mean like that snooze goes off in the morning and you don't think, gosh, I just need another four hours, five hours of sleep or whatever. That seems like an extreme amount, but I'm just saying. It says health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I would like to have both of those things. Would you like to have both of those things? Raise your hand if you'd like to have both of those things. Okay. How? Put his word first. Don't let this be too simple for you. It is as simple as reading the Bible, studying the scripture within context. And if you're not sure where to read, like last week I said, start in the Gospels. That's a great place to start because you get to learn who Jesus was and how he operated, how he operated in love. It's a direct reflection of how he looks at you today. And if you want to know some wisdom, go to Proverbs. Start re- Proverbs is a great place to read. It's just tidbits of wisdom and knowledge. You don't even have time to read a full chapter. You can read five, six, seven verses and they're packed with wisdom and knowledge. But the only way to know is to start reading. Don't, don't start in Leviticus, okay? Don't, just, I understand that. Don't, don't start in Deuteronomy if you don't want to. You, you don't want to necessarily read about how people were kicked out of the city because they had an issue of blood and all that stuff. What I'm saying is it's good to know those things. I'm not saying despise the word. You need to see how your life is reflected in the scripture. Does that make sense? You need to see what it says about you and your existence. The promises of God need to become heavier weight in your life than your lived experience. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what it feels like, and I'm not just saying this because it sounds good, I have endeavored to live this. Becky and I have walked through some things in our lives by doing this. We literally came to an impasse a few different times where we had to decide either we're just going to fold up and do what feels comfortable or we're going to stand in the uncomfortability knowing what God's promises are and knowing what his word says. And we've come through the other side of that better than we were before. That's where debt started getting paying off. That's where health started coming. That's where better jobs started coming. Not because we sought anything other than his scripture. See, the interesting thing about, we talked about covenant first thing this morning. When you begin to seek after that covenant and be willing to give up more of yourself, you get access to more of what he has and who he is. He, he will freely give those things, but it requires some things because when we're holding on to who we are, we can't hold on to who he says that we are. Does that make sense? You've got one spot in your life for something. It's either your opinion or his opinion. You can't do both. The Bible says don't be double-minded. It says don't serve two masters. It says not to be dual thought. We need to be singular in thought and seeking his scripture first and putting it first and foremost in, my, in our lives. I'll even be so bold as to say this. When God calls you to a minister or a ministry, and I'm not saying this can be this church, this can be other ministers, there are many of them out there that God has called you to, do you honor the word that is spoken out of those ministries? What I mean by that is, do you listen to it once or do you go back and listen to it? How how important is it to you? A lot of times, Please understand, this is not me elevating myself for this ministry. But a lot of times, the answers that you're seeking are in the seeking of the word. It would be way easier if I could just tell you, the answer for you is this. The answer for you is this. The answer for you is this. That would be way easier. We all could get out of here in about 10, 15 minutes. Here's your answer. Here's your, that's not how it works. 
A lot of the times, the answer you're seeking is in the word that God has laid out before you. Sometimes it's in messages that were spoken a year ago in ministries that God has called you. I'm never saying elevate a minister or a book that a minister wrote above the scripture. However, God does call you to men and women and ministries that you can gleam and learn from. Have reverence for that. Have honor for those things. I'm not saying honor me. I'm saying honor the Lord. Put reverence on the things. What he, if he says it's important, make it important. That's, that's, how, that's how relationships are successful in the natural. Ben, how many Hallmark movies did you used to watch growing up? Very few. Very few. How many of you watched in the last six weeks? Ben, ben canceled his subscription to, I don't know, Disney or Prime, and they bought a subscription to the Hallmark channel. It's not because Ben enjoys Hallmark movies. <laughs> he enjoys his wife. See, it became, it be, and, I, and I can promise you, actually, Ben probably enjoys them more now than he used to because he enjoys his wife. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying, I said more. I didn't say he liked them. I, I enjoy carrying the part while I watch Hey, I had any amount of enjoyment. But what, what that's a depiction of is his wife becoming priority in his life. Understand? He cares more about grace than he does John Wick. It's true. I hope so. I'm glad you said yes to that. <laughs> that. That's what priorities look like. It's Ben saying, I care more about my wife than I do about these other things that I used to do. I don't necessarily enjoy these so much, but she does. So I'm going to spend time. To, now I know Grace well enough to know that she will watch things that Ben likes to watch too. She doesn't watch John Wick, <laughs> but she watches other things. That, that's, what this, that's what our relationship with the Lord is supposed to be like. It's supposed to become a priority something that you invest time into, something that you invest purpose and, and, and attention towards. You cannot be in a relationship with someone you don't spend time with. It is impossible. You're not in relationship with them. You can say you are. You can make your Facebook status in relationship. But if you don't ever spend time with that person, you're not in relationship with them. That's not, that's not what that is. By definition, you're, you're wrong. That's not what that is. Relationship is something that you are investing into, and it takes priority over other things. Priority. Say priority. priority. This is, I, I'll be completely honest. This is the part in my life where I have to be the most cautious of, because it's very easy for me to ca get caught up in work and, and the doing of ministry. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it takes stuff to do this. And, and oftentimes, as people in ministry are volunteering, you can replace the doing of ministry with relationship with God. God does not love me because I can be a pastor for him. God doesn't love me because I can worship him. He loves me because he created me to be in relationship with him. It's not a, it's not a you do this for me, I do this for you relationship. He is my father. He breathed life into me. He created me with a plan and a purpose. And my sole purpose on this earth is to be in relationship with him. And the cost of that relationship is putting his word first in my life. Regardless of what it feels like, regardless of what it looks like. I'll, 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 I'll do one really simple one for you, okay? The scripture in the Bible, it says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves. Everyone read that scripture? Does anyone know what that means? It means do this, have church. It's really easy to say, 
well, I got a job on such and such a day, and I got this thing, and I have that thing. It's easy to make excuses to not assemble. Is it right? No. It's what God told us to do. It's one of the most important things we can do. Why is it one of the most important things we can do? Because he said it. <laughs> There's a lot of things in here that are some of the most important things that we can do. Does that make sense? I'm not elevating it over any other things that he told us to do. It's important for us to assemble together for multiple reasons. One is simply fellowship. Two, it's really good because isolated on your own, you can have some wackadoo thoughts. You can have some wackadoo doctrines. You can get in all kinds of crazy places. It's good to have people around you that are like, is that scriptural? I don't understand. We once had someone tell us different moves to dance in the Holy Spirit. She had choreographed moves to dance in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I don't see that in the scripture. I don't, I don't like, she said, if you want the Holy Spirit to fall, you have to do this move and dance this way. And I was like, that doesn't, that's, no. That, you shouldn't say that to people. That's not scriptural. See, that's, you can get off in wackadoo thought processes if you don't have people around you. Like, this is why I keep people around me. That's Elijah and Ben and my wife and people in my life who are like, hey, Micah, you're, you're kind of getting out there. That's, now, thankfully, that doesn't happen very often at all. But if it did, they would tell me. That, that's one of the things the Bible tells us to do is to assemble together, to come together, to encourage one another. For That iron would sharpen iron, that we would be able to love and give hope and to pray and to help and to just be part of a community that God has called us to. As we grow in that community, as we grow in that church, it increases our ability to reach those around us. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to be able to be in health and in hope and in love, assemble together diligently. Make sense? Okay. <clears throat> Let's look here. Uh, go to Joshua 1, verses 8. Most of you know this one, but it's, it's good for us to look at this again. Everyone there? It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it, meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you, say you, will make your way prosperous. Has anyone ever read it that way? I've heard people quote this verse, This book of the law will not depart from your heart. If you do what it says to do, he will make your way prosperous. Now, I looked this up in multiple translations. They all said you. It doesn't say he will make your way prosperous. It says you. It says this book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Say in it. You will meditate in it day and night, and, excuse me, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Say you. you. That word meditate basically means to live in. It's similar to the word abide. Um, the word meditate adds the, an utterance. It means speaking. Meditate isn't just reading it's literally speaking. It means speak the word. That's what that word meditate means. It means to read, to abide in, to be in, to recite, and to speak the word. That's what it means. 
okay? By the definition. So it says that this book of the law will not depart from your mouth. Say mouth. Life and death is in the power of the what? Tongue. Tongue, correct. You must speak the word. I'm not just saying mindlessly, re, just, sorry, people get so religious about things sometimes and they hang on to one thing. What I'm saying is read the word, read it aloud, study it, and then when you find something that your life is contradicting, you begin to speak that thing over your life. You begin to speak the word, meditate in it, stay in it. Then it says, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. How is it that you can do that? How is it that you have the ability to do that? One, it's his promise. And two, because it's coming out of your mouth. I'm not just saying mindlessly confess things and saying, I'm getting a Lamborghini in the name of... That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is speak the word. Get in it, find its promises, and speak it. Then, by your speaking, you will make your way prosperous. You don't have power and ability outside of Jesus Christ, but he's given you some responsibility. I'll give you an example. There's a verse in the Bible that says, By Jesus' stripes we were made whole. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sin, correct? Can we all agree? Raise your hand if you agree with that statement. When Jesus died on the cross, he also died so that you don't have to be sick. You could be healed. Do you agree with that? Raise your hand. He died for your sickness, for your pain, mental illness, physical illness. He died for all of it. So what happens when you have illness in your body? See, this is where putting the word first is important. I know what my Bible says about healing. That's one of many, many verses in the Bible about healing. When anyone came up to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal them? Did Jesus turn away any of them? Never. Jesus always healed everyone who came to him and asked in faith. He always healed them. Always. God, Jesus, he, he, God is a God of healing. So when you have the opposite of healing in your body, sickness in any amount, anything from full-blown lymphoma to a head cold, it's all sickness, right? This is where putting the word first matters. Lord, I can see in your scripture that it says he was bruised for my transgressions. I can see where it says that he took the punishment of my sin. I can see where it says that he died on the cross for me so I could be whole. So I'm going to speak, utter from my mouth. I'm going to meditate on the word and utter out of my mouth what his word says, even if it's in direct, especially if it's in direct contradiction of my current status. That's what putting his word first looks like. It's not just in the promises, oh, I want to be, it's not just in like the, the getting of things, it's the being in covenant. If you see anything opposite of what covenant life looks like, you have scripture and actual authority to begin to speak the word over your life. Now, this comes at a cost, and the cost is you. You're the cost. You, leaning not on your own understanding. Not, you don't get to make your own decisions. I like the way Elijah said it. I, I just work here. You know, I'm not the boss. And this is, I'm not just saying in ministry, I'm saying in life. I don't, I don't even, Micah doesn't get to do what Micah wants to do. That, like, I don't just do this. Like, I didn't want to teach on this. I'm not saying I didn't want to teach on this. It wasn't like, I was like, I need to come up with something. I didn't ask AI, hey, write me out a sermon on how to, do, I didn't do that. I, the Lord said to speak, to utter these words this morning and, and be on this series. This isn't Micah's decision, this is God. Do you understand? 
This is how I endeavor to live my life is to put him and his word first in my life. So if I see anything in my life that's in contradiction of what his word says, you get into his word, you read his scripture, and you begin to say those things. Those of you who know my mom, like she's not, I wouldn't say she's famous of this, but this is pretty much what happens every time. If you were to call her and say, hey, Miss Patty, or I would say mom, I never call her Miss Patty, that'd be weird. And I'd say, hey, I'm going through this situation. What's the first thing she asks you? What does the word say? What scripture are you standing on? You used to annoy the heck out of my wife. It's like, I don't even know why I call her anymore. I'll tell her, it's fine. But now we start saying it to each other. We've been doing this for a few years now. Because you can be faced with a problem, but if you know that the scripture is in contradiction of that problem, you actually don't have a right to live in that problem. Because you're in covenant now. You're in covenant with your creator. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that was a package deal. You don't get to pick and choose. It's not, hey, I'm going to do my thing and you do your thing, but when I die, I want to go to heaven. That's not what this is. Now, God has grace and mercy, and I truly believe that there's lots of people on their deathbed who cry out in the name of the Lord and they become saved. That's my personal belief. But we're not supposed to live like hell until we die. We're supposed to live like heaven here on the earth being his examples to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, to our coworkers. Listen to me. Outside of God, you have nothing to offer anyone of any value. I'm not being mean, okay? Don't be mad at me. If you disagree with that statement, tell me what you have that's worth something to someone else outside of what God has done in your life. Be really hard for you to come up with something really hard. I, I think I could give you all a month to focus on this and to try to come up with something that you have in you that's worth someone else, worth something to someone else, and all of us would come up with a big goose egg because there's nothing in there without him. Nothing worth of value. It's, it's, as, it's as of dirty rags. It's, it's useless. A good man on his best day is trash compared to God. I, I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to, uh, to, to get, share some perspective. Does that make sense? You guys feel like I'm being mean to you? Okay, good, because I'm not. <laughs> it's true anyways, right? What, what, what we are supposed to be is live in and abide in this position of peace. It's not supposed to feel like anxiety. It's not supposed to feel pressure. It's, not, it's supposed to be easy in the spirit. The flesh is the part where we get hung up. That's the part that I don't like things so much, right? So as we begin to learn to, that's what it means to crucify or to die to the flesh. Your feelings don't get to have a say all the time, most of the time. (laughs) 99.99% of the time, okay? They don't get to have a say. Your feelings aren't bad. God gave you emotions. God has emotions. You're made in his image. But the problem we get hung up on is we live in this fallen world where we're all self-serving outside of him. Make sense? So when we seek him first, we put his word first in our life, we actually have access to step out of the junk and funk and wreckage of the fallen world and into a position of living in heaven on earth. That's the covenant we have access to. Well, Michael, why aren't I seeing these things in my life? That's what the promise is, because the promise comes at a cost. And you're the cost. Jesus died for you. He paid a price. God sent his son to die, and he paid for you. He paid for you. Say, God God paid for me. He did. 
But then he tore up the contract and said, choose. He, 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 he paid for it, but he's not, he's not making you serve him. Does that make sense? He, he's not saying, I own you, serve me. He says, you have free will. Because true love is, is a choice. Does that make sense? It's, it's the decision. But the awesome thing is, is he says, if you decide, I have all these amazing promises in this package deal that comes with it. You'll never have to worry again. You'll never have fear again. You'll never have sickness again. You'll never have pain again, mentally, physically, spiritually. You'll never have any issues if you just draw near to me. You don't have to worry about what you will eat. You don't have to worry about what you will drink. You don't have to worry about what you will wear if you put me first. You can't lean on you. You have to lean on me. If you start leaning on you, you're going to get you results. If you start leaning on me, God, you'll get God results. So if you start having deficiencies in your life, there's a good chance it's because you be, you, you're, you're meeting your wit's end. You're, meet, you're at the end of yourself. Isn't that what it said about the prodigal son? He, he asked his dad for his inheritance, and then he got it, and he went and spent it on parties and all kinds of fun things, and then he was sleeping with the pigs and eating their food, and he, it said he came to the end of himself. He's like, listen, I've done all that I've, I've known to do to try to make this life work, and I'm li- like the servants who feed my, my dad's animals live better than I do. He came to the end of himself. So a lot of times if you've, if you've hit a dead end, if you hit something, it's a, it's a good chance it's because it's you're at the end of yourself. You might even be down a road that you're not supposed to be on at the end of yourself, and you're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm here in your promise. If you come back here, you'll, you'll be in your promise. But what you want me to do is you want me to come to you in your sin and come to you in your sickness and come to you in your comfortability, and that's not how it works. You have to come. It says, draw near to me, then I'll draw near to you. All, all, of, the, all of the weight of that decision is on you. He already made his decision. He proved it. He backed it up by sending Jesus Christ. We have the decision now. It's up to us to decide what are we going to do. That's literally what it says in Joshua. Choose this day whom you are going to serve. Then he goes into this book of the law will not depart. That's, where that, that's literally part of that same passage. If you do what it says to do, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. That means all of your, endeavor, all of your endeavors, if they're led by God, work. That means if you're a waiter, you get better tips. That means if you're an employee, your, your jobs go easier. The machines you work on don't break. The, the things that you have last longer. The thing, your clothing doesn't wear out as much. Your shoes, I'm not saying they wear out. I'm saying that's actually, I'm not, this is actual promise. It's not, I'm not just being funny. It's real, it's how God actually operates. If you're willing to put his word first. Make sense? In order to put his word first, what must you know? His word. It's as simple as it sounds. <laughs> Not a trick question. What, what, what must you know in order to put his word first? His word. I want you to be honest with yourself. Not me. Don't tell on yourself to me. I don't want to know anyways. How much do you actually read this book? Okay? How much are you in this? And then have, have a nice, hard conversation and look at how well things are going in your life. And if there's an area in your life that you think 
God has more promises for, has more better things for you. Maybe there's an area in your life you're like, I'm not even 100% sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You need to know those things. The most peace you can ever have in existence is knowing you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the exact time you're supposed to be there. That's the best place to be. Nothing else, honestly, nothing else matters besides that because everything else becomes easy then. If you can't say that with confidence, then you need to begin to seek out where that position is. But you need, if you are sitting there and you're thinking, I probably should read my word more. All of us could raise our hands and say we should read the word more. None of you have, I, I, I'm never going to be like, you know what? You probably read a little too much. <laughs> like you, you got it. You don't need to do it anymore. All of us could get in the scripture more, but the, your growth, your help, your hope is going to be related to the amount of time that you put into this because it's directly, it's directly related to the reverence that you have for it. Does that make sense? If you value, truly value the Lord, and He's real to you, you will be in pursuit of that relationship. And this is our direct line of access. Yes, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and He, he speaks to us and He helps us every day, but we have the very words of our Father recorded for us. How, how many would, I, I would have loved when I got married to Becky for someone to give me a Becky manual. I mean it. Would have been awesome. Hey, avoid these things. Don't say this. She doesn't like this. She does like, and I would have loved to have time to study that manual. It would have been a great benefit. We had some bumpy, <laughs> bumpy times in our marriage. It would have been an awesome benefit to have a manual on the exact things to do and the exact things to not do. It would have made our relationship way easier. We actually have that with our Creator. For whatever reason, we find a lot of reasons, and I'm talking to myself, we find a lot of reasons to not be in this. Most of them are simple and stupid. Okay? Instagram. That's a big one. Social media, video games, movies, spending time with friends. I'm not saying those things are bad, but what's taking priority? It was really interesting. I got it a while back. I got a text from someone. I was like, hey, we're going to jump online. You want to play video games? It's how I usually play with my family. It's how I keep up with my brothers and stuff. And uh, I was like, that sounds great. And the Lord said, when are you going to hang out with me? I was like, now? <laughs> I wasn't going to play video games. So he's, he's gentle with me, and, and I got great revelation. I studied and spent time with him, and it wasn't like I was studying to teach. I just read the word for the sake of reading the word. And even if you don't exactly know what you're... Sometimes he'll say, hey, go read this, but sometimes it's just opening it and just starting to read. And if you're a slow reader, I'll, I'll give you... The, open the book to whatever chapter, then open your phone to that same chapter and hit play, and then you can read and listen at the same time time because technology is awesome and helpful right we can do these things you literally have no good excuse as to not be in this book none of us do other than we don't make it a priority i think if we were all honest about to ourselves the reason why we're not in it as much is because we're not making it priority and i understand kids i understand work i get it we all have lives we all have stuff we should be doing and need to be doing we all have responsibilities and commitments can you confidently say to me or the Lord, I, Lord, I just don't have time? No. Could you say that? No. no. 
Probably not. And if you can say that, the Lord will help you make a change in your life. Maybe you do have a job where you're working 90, 120 hours a week, and you literally like sleep and then you work. That's possible. But the Lord can free that time up. And you know what's interesting? As God's anointing is so cool that if you are willing to get up earlier and study, he can get to the place where he'll sustain you. It's not, it's not just a sacrifice of your tiredness or your sleep. He'll take care of you if you put him first. It's actually one of the promises, which you would know if you read this book. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. Have revelation of what he says. Hold on to those things as truth and fact in life over what your lived experiences are. It's literally as simple as that, but it takes getting into this book. I realize that, that Micah, that, that seems too easy. Yeah, and, and I've been at the whole, like, what, do I, what the heck do I do? Right? You're sitting there at your desk or your bed and you open your book and you're like, I don't, I don't even know what. Okay, Isaiah 5, God's disappointing vineyard. I don't want to read about that. You know, I, I understand that. That's why I say start in the Gospels if you don't know what to read. Yeah. read about, it's always great to read about Jesus. Read about David. Read First and Second Samuel. Those are some great stories. Read about creation. Read in Genesis. There's a lot of great, read it and, and picture yourself in those moments and times and read it as fact, not as just some story like, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. If you need help, I can point you to a lot of great places in this book that are enjoyable to read. Read about Nehemiah. Read about Esther. Read about Ezra. Read about these great men and women that we have examples. Read about Abraham. Read about Noah. Read about Moses. Read Exodus. Read, I mean, there's so many awesome stories in this book that all you have to do is start. That's why I say don't just like open up the middle of Levit Leviticus and start reading. I could understand why some people don't like that. But there's a lot of great places to start. You should read Leviticus. You really should. It's good to know. But there's a lot of great places in this book where you can read and begin to just gleam from him. Amen? Let's stand up. Then you can come up. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.